Good morning. My name is Creed Finnefrock. This morning, our scripture reading is from the books of Joshua and 1 Corinthians. Please follow along in your Bibles or use the screens. I'll be reading verses 1 through 7 from chapter 4 of Joshua and verses 23 through 26 from 1 Corinthians in the New Living Translation. When all the people had crossed the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Now choose twelve men, one from each tribe. Tell them, take twelve stones from the very place where the priests are standing in the middle of the Jordan. Carry them out and pile them up at the place where you will camp tonight. So Joshua called together the twelve men he had chosen, one from each of the tribes of Israel. He told them, go into the middle of the Jordan in front of the ark of the Lord your God. Each of you must pick up one stone and carry it out on your shoulder. Twelve stones in all, one for each of the twelve tribes of Israel. We will use these stones to build a memorial. In the future, your children will ask you, what do these stones mean? Then you can tell them, they remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant went across. These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. 1 Corinthians 11, 23-26 For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took a cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. The word of the Lord. Good morning, my name's Julie Steele. I'm one of the pastors here at Evergreen, and today we're taking a little bit of a break from Proverbs. It is Communion Sunday, and so we're going to be doing, uh, reading about a sermon that has to do with centered around communion and memory. I know you all took the memory test a little while ago. How did you do? Pretty good. Well, how is your memory generally? Can you remember what you had for breakfast today? You have to sit and think about that for a minute. Do you find yourself more forgetful these days than before? Anybody? Oh yes, lots of people, okay. We can all relate to that. Well, why do some people have better memories than others? You know, some people can't remember anything and some people just seem to remember every detail. Well, I read a few studies this last week just to see what the theory was, and there really isn't anything conclusive. There are just theories out there. One of them is that there is a specific set of genes that's related to the dopamine signaling your brain along with a few other uh, chemicals. So who knows, right? And who wants to actually keep pursuing that because it's just more things to remember? (laughs) I've always had a really good memory an attribute that has not always benefited my husband. (laughs) However, I would say that in the last year, my memory has definitely declined. I can get up from my desk there down the hall, get out to the hallway and forget why I got up to go out to the hallway. Can you relate to that? Okay. When I make a phone call, I make sure the person's name is right in front of me because I'm gonna forget who I was calling and they're gonna answer the phone. It's pretty bad. Well, it could be age, because I did enter a new decade this last year. I'll make you guess what that is. 
Busyness, we're all busy, but sometimes, just as my phone alerts me that my storage is full, I think my brain storage is full. How about you? There's so much coming at us, so many things to remember. There are things we wish we could forget but can't, and there are things we wish we could remember but can't. There are five senses that trigger our memory, things that all of a sudden hit us, like a smell, a sight, a touch, something we hear that takes us back to a different place and time. Memory is a powerful thing. I've shared with you that when I smell a certain perfume that's called Emerald that my grandmother used to wear, I am immediately back with my grandmother. And I was only four years old when she passed, so you can tell how much memory, how powerful that is. When I hear a song from a movie called A Summer Place, anybody know that movie? It's old. When I hear that theme song, I'm back to my grandparents' living room because my grandfather used to play that all the time. So if I can't remember things, if I can remember things from many years ago, why can't I remember what I did over the weekend come Monday morning? Don't we all get that question, how was your weekend? I don't know, I don't remember it. <laughs> well, no wonder remembering is such a central theme in scripture. God knows the gravitational pull of human awareness, which draws us continually toward forgetting who we are and whose we are. In Moses' final message to the Israelites, which was just before what Creed read to us this morning from Joshua, he gave this very powerful message about not forgetting before they went over into the promised land. He says, watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen, and let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. You see, the biggest danger that the Israelites faced was not the enemy that they were going to encounter. It was forgetting their story, who they are and whose they are. In scripture, in Joshua, which takes place, like I said, after this, the Israelites are now crossing the Jordan River, and we have another message of remembering. You see, Joshua and the Israelites left and traveled to Jordan. They made their way there. They camped there for three days. God said, what I want you to do is follow the Ark of the Covenant, and once you do that, you will be safe. And so they were told to stay back 3,000 feet, Joshua gave orders to the uh, priests to go ahead and take that ark and move ahead and the people would follow. So the Lord spoke to them and said that following this ark was going to display their relationship with the covenant of God. Joshua told his people to listen, that their enemies would flee as soon as they found out that the Israelites were following their God, and the, soon the priests were carrying the ark across the Jordan River. Once the priests set foot in the river, the water was going to cease flowing. You see, the water would cease to flow downstream at that point. So the priests went ahead of them to the river's edge, and as soon as they put their foot in the water, the flowing did stop. 
a mass of water collected in a huge heap near a faraway town, and this led to the water that flows commonly to the Dead Sea to completely stop. Think about that. The priests who carried the ark, they stopped. It was dry land. The people could follow, and everybody crossed safely. Then he tells them, as we see in our verses this morning, that 12 men of the 12 tribes needed to gather up a stone each to have 12 stones. The stones are then to be carried to where the people are going to sleep for the night. You see, the stones would remain memorials that would last forever as reminders of the time that the Lord stopped the flowing of the Jordan River so that the Israelites could pass. These stones were physical reminders or triggers of God's provision for the Israelites. Now, I have my own stone of remembrance. This stone is from Lake Kachis. When you go over the pass, there is a campground there. It's a really beautiful stone. It has lots of variations of color. And um, I picked this up last year. This place, Lake Kachis, is a place that my husband Barry and I have picnicked at for 37 years, since the first year. I didn't camp there. You didn't hear me say camp. We picnicked there. Uh, 37 years from the first year we were married. That first year, we wanted to drive up to the pass and see the fall color. And so we went over there and we found this um, campsite. But the campsite is um, closed, so they have those bars so that the cars can't go through and drive up to the campsite. So we parked back, and then we just kind of hiked in for about a half a mile to where the beach is. And I'm going to show you some pictures. This is Adam throwing a rock in. He was about two or three. See how peaceful it is up there? And there's Adam and Ben. Ben, we, were, we, we walked up, and they started running, and we thought, well, you'll stop right when you get to the water. No, not Ben, right up to his knees. So he's all wet. And then there we are. That's a very long time ago. And Barry with the boys. And then this is last year. So there's a certain tree that we kind of, there's nobody up there. Sometimes you'll see one or two people. But um, we would sit by this and put up our picnic. And there I am. See how peaceful it is? Well, my stone of remembrance is something I picked up last year. Now, I think it's really interesting because when I did this last year, I thought, why haven't I done this every year since we've come? How cool would that have been? But then how would we have moved 37 stones, right? <laughs> However, the cool thing about this stone is this is the first year that we have not gone on our picnic. We can't go on our picnic anymore because it's too hard for Barry now to walk in to the grounds and to manage the beach. However, the Lord told me last year to pick up this stone. And when I look at it in my garden, I am not just reminded of the beauty of this place, although it is beautiful, but I am reminded of God's creation and his faithfulness to us all these years to bless us with these picnics with our family. It's a visible symbol of blessing and provision, just like these stones were for the Israelites. It triggers in me hope for my future. 
because it reminds me of my past. So you're probably asking, how does this connect to communion? Well, communion is also a tangible reminder of God's provision in sending Jesus as the way to be with God for all eternity. God knows our forgetfulness. He knows our need as humans for physical reminders of his work and presence in our lives. I have been convicted of my own poor memory of what the sacrament of communion represents and what it has become for me. It's so easy to see it as just another element that we fit into church the first Sunday of the month or a ritual. It's actually a way, a means to point us to Jesus in a very real, physical, tangible way. I now see it as one of the, what I'm gonna call, practices of memory that God has given all of us. It's a way to remember, to remember, in the busyness and distractions of life. This meal is a visible remembrance as the bread and the cup are symbols of Christ's body and blood. Now I am struck that this meal with Jesus happened right before all hell was going to break loose, right? In a short time, Jesus was arrested, his disciples scattered, and he was crucified. Everything was falling apart. All their hopes and dreams were done. But Jesus gave them this last meal as a reminder of the reality that they were not going to see for a while. Notice he did not say, do this in remembrance of my death, but in memory of what I'm telling you to be true about me. It's as if he's saying, remember when you are confused and things don't make sense. Remember I am with you always. I am the bread of life. I will return. Remember, they needed that right then, and we still need it today. As I was researching for this message, I came across an article that I'm going to share with you. It's about when Buzz Aldrin took communion on the moon. I had never heard about it. I just am going to read you some excerpts from the article, so if you want to read the rest of it, go ahead and go to uh, Google and you'll find it. Here it starts with him. For several weeks prior to the scheduled liftoff of Apollo 11 back in July of 1969, the pastor of our church and I had been struggling to find the right symbol for the first lunar landing. We wanted to express our feeling that what man was doing in this mission transcended electronics, computers, and rockets. I wondered if it might be possible to take communion on the moon, symbolizing the thought that God was revealing himself there too as man reached out into the universe. For there are many of us in the NASA program who do trust that what we are doing is part of God's eternal plan for man. I could carry the bread in a plastic packet, the way regular in-flight food is wrapped, and the wine also, there would be just enough gravity on the moon to pour the liquid. I would be able to drink from a cup normally. 
Now, Neil Armstrong and I were sitting inside Eagle while Mike circled in lunar orbit unseen in the black sky above. In a little while after our scheduled meal period, Neil would give the signal to step down the ladder onto the powdery surface of the moon. Now was the moment for communion. So I unstowed the elements in their flight packets. I put them and the scripture reading on a little table in front of the abort guidance system computer. Then I called back to Houston. Houston, this is Eagle. This is the LM pilot speaking. I would like to request a few moments of silence. I would like to invite each person listening in wherever or whomever he may be to contemplate for a moment the events of the past few hours and give thanks in their own individual way. For me, this meant taking communion. In the radio blackout, I opened the little plastic packages which contained bread and wine. I poured the wine into the chalice that our church had given me. In the one-sixth gravity of the moon, the wine curled slowly and gracefully up the side of the cup. It was interesting to think that the very first liquid ever poured on the moon and the first food eaten there were communion elements. And so just before I took the elements, I read the words which I had chosen to indicate our trust. As man probes into space, we are in fact acting in Christ. I read, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever remains in me and I in him will bear much fruit, for you can do nothing without me. John 15, 5. How many of you were aware of this? Anybody? Pretty amazing, huh? Something this significant flew over or under our radar. I can always thought that taking communion in the Holy Land would be the most amazing experience, but I don't think you can top the moon. Communion is one practice of memory that God has given all of us starting with those first disciples. Remembering to keep the Sabbath, observing the Christian calendar are also ways that we can organize our lives around regular practices of memory that help us remember to remember. I think about the crosses that Pastor Elise gave to our graduating seniors as a symbol of the presence of God going with them to college. You know, we Protestants have rejected much of the symbolism of the more liturgical churches to our detriment. Some of the most meaningful worship times I've had have been in the Catholic and Episcopal churches, surrounded by beautiful symbols pointing me to Jesus. Christian traditions follow the Old Testament model of the church calendar built around key milestones in the gospel story, such as Advent, Lent, and Holy Week. These also, they help us to remember. Our memories of what Jesus has done for us fade unless we create intentional and deliberate patterns of behavior that will trigger our memories. Perhaps that's why some churches partake in communion every Sunday. They want to remember. 
So how do you remember to remember? I didn't remember to put up that slide. It's a cool picture. Do you have certain habits that you have built into your life to be able to remember who you are and whose you are? Remember that slide that had the string on the finger? I know I was supposed to do something, but I can't remember what it was. Do you have stones of remembrance, objects that remind you like my stone of remembrance and like the stones of remembrance that the Israelites had crossing the Jordan to remind you of what God has done for you in your past so that you can have hope for your future? I'm not talking about worshiping objects, but using them to help you worship the God who created them and you. Creating times of silence to meditate on scripture and ponder the work of God is another way to remember to remember. This morning, we are going to partake in this meal. But before we do, I'm going to give us all a minute to be silent before God, to be able to ponder what God is doing in our lives, has done, and what he will do. Now, I know that silence can be very uncomfortable. However, I think it's good for us and our souls to be able to just be before God. It's a way to ask him, what else can I do to help me remember who you are and what you've done? So I'm gonna give you this opportunity 60 seconds is all it's going to be. It might feel like a long time to you, but we're going to do it together, and I'm going to end us in prayer. Join me. Lord, we thank you for giving us the sacrament of communion, for the visible and outward sign of an invisible and spiritual grace May we never let the memory of the meaning of this meal fade in our hearts and our minds. Thank you, God. In your name we pray. Amen.